Welcome to Texas Hockey Talk, presented by Dallas Hockey Fans. Hello again, everybody. This is Bubbles, the host and founder of Dallas Hockey Fans, the largest social hub for all things Dallas Stars on social media. Find us on Facebook, Instagram, and Twitter, as well as this podcast on Apple and Spotify. Welcome back to Texas Hockey Talk, everybody. This is Bubbles, uh, a.k.a. Andrew, your host and founder of Dallas Hockey Fans. We're the largest independent media source for everything Dallas Stars. Uh, we've got Brando here, one of our longtime admins who uh, helps out both on our home game and away game post updates. So most of those um, in-action um, updates you guys get are from him and a couple others. So appreciate you, Brando. And a special guest with us tonight. Uh, we thought with his experience in these matters, we could use his opinions. Um, it's 1999 Stanley Cup champion and current Bally Sports host for our stars, Brett Severin. Hi, guys. Where do, you, where do you get bubbles from? Where does bubbles come from? Well, that's a good question. So before, uh, like three months ago, uh, I looked a lot like the character Bubbles from Trailer Park Boys. Uh, this is Sean Netflix, very popular, started in Canada. And uh, this one character has really big, thick glasses that make his eyes look like a big fishbowl. And really? I had the same effect on mine for several years until uh, three months ago. I got my cataracts done, and now oh. I've got normal people glasses. So got I, it. Okay. I have bubbles I, no longer. <laughs> well, I, I, just, uh, I just Googled bubbles because I didn't know what you were talking about, and I get it. All right, you have the Coke bottles going, huh? Yep. <laughs> nice. Well, I'm, I'm wearing Coke bottles right now, so you can call me Bubbles now because I got some major goggles going on. <laughs> bubbles, Brett. <laughs> <laughs> See, I'm going the opposite way too, boys. I'm going to have to get a thicker pair pretty See? soon. <laughs> See? Yeah, there's nothing to joke about, fellas. Jeez. Man. Okay. All right, let's move on. Sorry, I, I regress. Well, we've seen a lot of star power uh, glasses indifferent here um, in the past couple weeks, so Man, the Stars are on their way to the Western Conference Final. First time in three years, but it feels a lot longer than that. I don't know if you feel the bubble playoffs really happened. It's all kind of a haze yeah. from back then. Um, but, Sevi, how would you kind of recap it? You know, the first two series here, very long, very grueling for this team. Uh, but how would you kind of give a short synopsis of Minnesota yeah, and then did, Seattle? Did you guys get to go to that last game by chance? Did you see game seven? Yes. You were in the, you were in the barn? You were in the building? Unbelievable game. Yeah. Yes. Wasn't that fun? Like, I'm yes. telling you, I, I don't get excited for goals too often. But yeah. when White Johnson comes down and, and he gets that puck, and I, I, it's dumped long range, if anybody hasn't seen it, well, everybody has, I'm sure, listen to this podcast. And, and then he goes towards the net. And I'm like, all right, he's going to go wrap around or he's going to, I don't know what, I don't know what he's going to do. I, I'm just sitting there having my third chicken tender of the period and uh, and just enjoying the, <laughs> enjoying the game. And all of a sudden, he pulls in and absolutely roofs the guy, thing off uh, Grubauer's mask. And I physically stood up and I was like, oh, my God. And I look around and I'm staring at, did that go in? So it, that is probably one of the coolest goals, the greatest goals that I've ever seen a guy pull off. It was unbelievable, fellas. That was yeah, the loudest start. I heard AAC, man. Uh, that and Rupe's goal. I don't know if I've ever been at a game where it was louder. It's unbelievable. Legendary. Yeah, I mean, what, Lettinen probably had some historic ones against Colorado back in the day. Um, yep. But, man, that 
the, the Rupe one was then followed by an even more impressive goal by the now 20 year old baby Wyatt. I mean, which of those two goals, Sevy, do you think was harder to do to pull off there? Oh, Wyatt's for sure. Like there, there yeah. was no way. Yeah. Like I was like, ah, okay, he's going to get it. the angle that he was coming, you know, that he's attacking the net. And this morning I'm on the ice every day. So this morning I'm trying it. I have a goaltender who's down in that position. I was like, all right, I'm going to show it. Well, if Wyatt can do it, I'm going to give it a go. So, cause yeah. when you, when you get at that angle, there is really not much there. Like you really have to just put it in like he did kind of off the mask and in and, I, I tried over and over. I still did. I never got one today. I was really mad at myself. So obviously, you know, not not at the NHL level anymore. But I tried, yeah. and I tried it over and over. So no, his goal for sure. Rope hints. We've seen him do that little drag snapshot over and over throughout the years. Right. That's that's just his trademark. And uh, when we talked to Ben Bishop about uh, Rope hints's shot and how deceptive it is when it comes off, he talked about probably one of the most difficult shots to read on the Dallas Stars obviously is that the hints that loves to come down pull it interior and then go the opposite way and fools goalies a lot of the time yeah and I gotta ask you uh Sevy what Wyatt Johnson is doing at 19 20 years old I I don't remember the last time I've seen a, a Dallas Star really do this that young in the playoffs when it matters I mean can you just describe maybe to the layman's Dallas fan, like what this kid is doing, how he's doing it, and just how incredible it really is. Well, when you when kids start to come in and start making the team, you you watch them in camp, obviously, and then – but I, I did a lot of kind of work on going back to see what this kid does in, in junior, you know, what, what he's done, how he's done it. And the more you read about it and the more you hear from players that he played against, uh, coaches – they, they talk about how special this kid was and how skilled he in junior, he didn't go around people. He went through them. And that was one of the defensemen said, one of his defensemen that he played against in the hockey league. He'll go right through you paying attention. And he did it over and over with his ability and his skill. So, okay. I'm saying, okay, this kills this kid's got it, right? He's got something. So we see him coming to camp and, you know, we were surprised a little bit that he made the team. But he's got other guys. He's a young kid. They have to kind of give him this tryout before they can send him back. And as the year progresses, he gets better and he starts to do things. We start to notice him, you know, because he's a scrawny guy, right? He's not a big dude, right? So you're wondering how is he going to hold up against the, the big guys in the NHL? And over and over, he's proving himself. He progresses. We start scenarios, right? We start to see him on the power play a little bit. We start to see him taking face off. The coaching staff's talking about this kid getting better and better every single day. And then as the year progresses, you you notice him playing longer stretches and taking face-offs in the defensive zone. And when that starts to happen and he starts to get out there near the end of games, right? You're like, oh, okay, the, the coaching staff is really believing in what he does. Like, I know him as a very strong offensive-minded player. That's what I've been watching all year. Then you see these other things that he's bringing to the table. He starts to kill penalties and all that sort of stuff. Very impressive. And now you see what he's doing, and he's coming to the forefront with his offensive flair and his control of the puck. Yeah, very, very mature kid. And you just see, he seriously, he looks like he's 12, doesn't he, fellas? Yeah. He seriously looks like 
he, he should be with my son, you know, in, in the ninth grade. You know, that that's where he's at, you know. He's, he's a young kid. He just turned 20. And uh, no, but what he's doing is pretty amazing now. And you see the responsibility that the coaching staff, that, that ultimately tells you. We can say whatever we want about the kids and what they do. Watch how they're utilized by the coaching staff. And that's going to tell you a lot about the kids game and he's getting more he's gotten more and more responsibility he's done more and more with the time that he's got so he's just elevated his game and of course getting the points near the second half of the season as well you just notice him a lot more and of course you know jamie ben johnston and the donoff have been an outstanding line uh near the end of the season once the donoff came over from montreal and uh, in playoffs they've, they've been noticeable for sure yeah, yeah i got a Donoff trade Donoff was a, yeah. a great one Great one. I'm getting rid of Gurionov, who just, I don't know, Brando just didn't fit in with the team or he, he just couldn't score. The, the poor guy was drafted to be that role, um, first or second line. He just never developed into that. So that, that was a really great trade up to get a playoff veteran. Um, it was there was a flash in the pan, you know, the, the, that first year, sure. But I, I think he just needed a change of scenery, honestly. Um, and I'm still a, a Guriana believe I believe in the guy, um, but I think Dodonov just I, I that play where Wyatt scored. I don't maybe I'm in the minority here, but I honestly thought that when he looked up, I saw him look up and he saw Wyatt Johnson close to the blue line, and it wasn't just a dump like some people say. Like he was he was dumping it all the way in the end because I thought he knew that Wyatt would get there first. So he's just been playing. He's one of those unsung heroes for me. In these playoffs for the stars, Denado, well, he's just yeah, played yeah. well on that goal, right? That, and that's what you're like. That's what everybody does. And back in our day, we would never just flip it out or we we chuck it off the glass and out. But these days, that's that's some of the offensive breakouts or some of the defensive breakouts into the offensive zone that you're trying to do. You see someone, and for sure, the Donoff saw him, but you're just flicking it because when you're on the ice and you're that deep, you're either giving a rocket pass as hard as you can through the middle of the ice, which is very dangerous. Or you're going to flip it. Now, with the flip, as you know, you don't know where it's going to land. You know how it's going to carry. You don't know how it's going to bounce. So he really put a little meat on it. And you obviously know where the guy is. And you're hoping that he can beat him to the corner. Did that. And uh, it all worked out, right? So I don't know whether it was totally planned. You definitely, as a player, you're going to see that. But you don't know the distance that he is. You see it in relation to their defenseman. But he just chunks it down the ice. And fortunately for the it all worked out and i was just just go back to johnson a little bit how about that 124 points in 68 games for the windsor spitfire like think about that that is lighting it up in the uh, junior hockey ranks so the kid knows what he's doing with the puck wasn't wasn't that after season. also after a year where he couldn't play at all i didn't yeah, it, yeah. yeah. nothing he, COVID. he goes from what he didn't yeah but the year before that he goes 30 in 100 or 30 points in 68 games what a full year off, and then that is incredible. Yep, yep, yep. Thirty points in fifty-three games. I'm looking at here. It says in the stats, and uh, yeah, and then after that, he just absolutely lights it, lights it up. And that's what they said. This defenseman said about him inside and in tight. He is so good at going through people, and you see a little bit of that. And I think what also surprised me about Wyatt is his ability to fend off these bigger guys. Because, like I said. What do they have them listed at here at, at 185 pounds? Yeah, it, on, a, on a heavy day, sure, with a couple of Big Macs and a fry in them. He, he's that weight. <laughs> but he, right? But to fend off the bigger guys and kind of win those battles because I'm always looking at guys. I'm tracking 
uh, wins and losses along the boards. Now, when you look at hockey these days, 80% of the game is played along the boards, right? So that's where you got to do your damage. Sure, right. we, we got the rushes. You got rope heads coming through the middle of the ice. Everybody loves that. You got the defense activating. We love Miro coming up the ice. But really, the meat potatoes of it is you got to win the battles along the boards and then get it interior. And that's what Vegas is looking for. They're going to make sure that they kind of kind of block out the stars and keep them away from the middle of the ice in this uh, next series. But Johnston and the crew, they did an outstanding job along the walls to get Puck's interior uh, in playoffs so far this season. Yep, so they play, Dallas does, Minnesota and Seattle, who seemingly have a similar style, uh, I think you would agree, Sevy, and just work very well, hard. Yeah, they work hard, but different different styles. The, the Wild okay. are much much heavier team they they wanted they wanted to get in and slow it down for the Dallas Stars they wanted yeah. to get in that fight they wanted you to get in that battle between whistles slow it down whereas Seattle if you guys went to a lot of the games especially American Airlines Center yep. what they do they're always the Seattle Kraken are always sending guys through the neutral zone and it's almost to me it reminds me back in the day when I played college we went and played the Russian team and what happens is I called it the egg beater because mostly back when I played you want to come up and down you cross every now and then but what the Russians do were egg beater they go deep and then they come low they go deep and they come low and they're forming these little circles in the neutral zone and for me as a defenseman I have to be careful because I'm trying to maintain gap close it up and then I'm trying to back off because I don't want to get beat but what the Kraken were doing is they were sending these guys and they're trying to free up the middle of the ice. And at the beginning of the series, that's what they were doing a lot of. And the stars were getting caught. They were getting caught in transition. They were getting caught in changes. So there's, I really think that's different from the two teams. And Minnesota, I thought, was a lot heavier, a little more physical, bigger guys overall, even though, you know, Alexiak and Larson were fairly big guys and blocked a lot of shots. I thought the Wild were different in that regard. So the problem is, fellas, is Vegas has got a little bit of both now. This is where it's right. going to be an issue for the Dallas Stars. They also got a little bit of star power too. I would say mm-hmm. not not a knock against against the Kraken. I mean, they were unbelievable. It was a tough series, but you know, coming into Vegas, it seems like they got a bit of star power, and and they used quite a bit of LTIR this year too. So um, they were able to stack it up, in my opinion, come playoff time. Which you know, seeing a guy like Jack Eichel. Um, seeing a guy like Mark Stone on the other end, uh, March Assault just what had a natural Hattie the other night for him. Finished uh, off Edmonton. Yep. Yeah, that's going to be a tough test. I mean, what would you say are are some of the like what would you say Vegas's game plan is at like a high level against the Stars and maybe vice versa? What What do you think you're going to see in the series? Well, Vegas said it. If you look at, at their coach Bruce Cassidy, he said it the other day. He says. Well, Vegas has got to protect the middle of the ice and shut down plays in that area. And they also want to limit the rush chances for the Dallas Stars. Every team does, but he made it a priority to mention that in his in his interviews, right? Because yeah. he knows Vegas, yeah, they have a good rush. However, it's going to be in this series is who is committed to the plan to shut down the rush chances on either side, right? He said, he said after game one, I don't want to be watching any video where the Stars had a of rush chances to them that is a big priority is to shut that down he also went in depth to talk about shutting down mr pavelski because here's what you got to look the the vegas golden knights they've got some pretty big defensemen right Uh, they've got guys like mcnab and and 
and White Cloud that can get in there and battle. So they've talked about how the best to go about blocking out Pavelski and the Dallas Stars. The Dallas Stars, as we know, love to go high to low, right? They want to get the puck down inside the offensive zone, move it to defensemen, and then send pucks to the middle of the ice. And hopefully Pavelski, as he showed in playoffs, can tip the puck. So their commitment here is how are they going to block out the timing of their defense to get to Pavelski? He talked a lot about that. So as on, he feels like initially they're going to have trouble with that to get the timing for the defenseman to get to Pavelski in time when that shot's coming from Miro. But he feels that after the series wears on a little bit, the bigger defenseman, the size that he believes his defense have an advantage at, will come to the forefront by them blocking out and getting to pucks before the Stars forwards can. So in front of their goaltending, goaltender, Aiden Hill, they're going to see who can kind of control and patrol that area the best, as with any game, right? But he really went out of his way to mention that over the past couple of days. Okay, the, the vice versa. How, how do the Stars attack? them and get past what what they're trying to do to us and and for me i think it's a little bit about the consistency of their game it it, it's fluctuated i thought during the series right and i'm going through i'm going through vegas a little bit more vegas and edmonton to see exactly how their series really i want when i was watching vegas i was kind of watching the fan and not paying much attention just enjoying it having a beer and enjoying it right but over the past couple days here i'm going to start to go through it and break it down where they try to go um and for the Stars, I, I want them to make sure that they get out of their zone clean, and that's with support. For the Stars, aggressiveness throughout the entire three zones. You know, your defensive zone, you got your uh, neutral zone, and the offensive zone. When they're working together and they're supporting properly, there's nobody in the league, I believe, that can stay with them. When they're disjointed, when they don't work together, when uh, the defense aren't getting back fast enough, as they did in the Seattle series, I thought they got caught a little bit. Like, it, it was bad changes. It was uh, misplayed neutral zone attempts to check. Uh, it was forwards getting caught ahead of the puck. So it was little things that they kind of just lost track to, track of mentally that uh, allowed Seattle to really get their speed and coming through. And when you do it with this team who defend much better, I think, than this, the Seattle Kraken will, they're, they're going to have to be a strong team with support to get to those middle of the ice, as we talked about. So it's really about support, I believe, for the Dallas Stars. And that's kind of technical stuff for your fans, but just support through three zones like they've been doing all year. When they do that, they're going to be fine. And it's the consistency of that, I think, that they've worked on or talked about moving forward. Yeah, and you had mentioned uh, in that uh, about when the defense, maybe when they weren't getting back and things got disjointed, um, the Stars were kind of made to pay. Um, I'm kind of interested in what you think the the bottom pairing needs to look like, right? Um, there seemed to be a, a bit of shuffling with guys like Miller, Hawkenpaw, and Hanley. Yeah. Um, I'm just curious, is like, who do you think, who do you think, the stars really need to focus in on or play to, to really have the best chance at oh, against Vegas. So you're talking about the depth for the stars is what you're yeah, talking just about. Like the, yeah. yeah. So it, it seemed like so some of the guys play, were like the defense. Here, defense yeah, here's, what, yeah. here's what your question is. You, you want to know about Lindell and Hawkenbaugh, don't you? Yeah. But, really but I also think Canley's <laughs> kind of like made himself a staple too and played really well. I'm just curious to like, who do you think should, yeah. should maybe play at the. Yeah. Miller's there? in there too. Yeah. Yeah. Mm-hmm. 
Yeah, they've got some depth, right? And I thought Miller came in, right? Outstanding. Obviously, a hawk and paw. Minus four, minus five in that the second to last game, right? So a lot of heat those took guys took. But let me tell you, I went back and I watched every one of their goals against. Yes, Lindell fell down on the first one. Hockenbaugh uh, made a bad change on the second one, I think it was. But those goals that we saw, and I'm, I know Essa said it was one of the worst games he played, but I I couldn't see it, guys, honestly. And I would love to talk to the coach and be able to sit down with DeBoer or, or their coaching staff to see exactly what they saw. Because the first half of the game, I really dissected it. There was no issue for me from either of them. For me, it was about the forward positioning and being too aggressive. The stuff that we talked about, being disconnected defensively, I thought. Like guys left alone in the middle of the ice. Forwards in the neutral zone jumping up, leaving a three-on-two. And Cartier comes down on a three-on-two and makes a laser of a shot. And everybody was blaming the defense. If I'm a defense, I got to back out in that situation because it's three-on-two, right? and so, again, I, I'm a card-carrying member of the defensive core for the National Hockey League because I played the position. So I'm going to, you know what I mean, I, our motto is don't trust a forward, just so you guys know. Don't trust a <laughs> forward as, well, as defensemen is what we do. And at times they trust the defense or forwards, the defensive aspect, those two, and they got in trouble for it. With that being said, Hockey, he moves, his feet move slower, but he's a big body. Yep. When you look at it, he is the guy on the – the penalty kill that has led the league in the NHL in playoffs for a bit of this for most time on ice on the penalty kill. Stars have an outstanding penalty kill this they season. Do. And yeah, they do. And you know what the reason for that is, fellas? Hockenpah and Lindell. So let's, I just want to slap some people upside the head and say, hang on a second. And even Sturmer, Bob Sturmer said, yeah, this guy is slow. That's not necessarily true. He is a big body that, yes, I thought Miller played an outstanding game. I thought Hanley has been outstanding. He has been great, right? Since coming back, he has been. Oh, fabulous. Yeah, yeah. He's moved the puck well. You can see his skill. Uh, under pressure, he's made the right move. He's not trying to get too fancy. He's not jumping up in the play. So young players get a little bit anxious. They want to do too much, and he hasn't done that. And that's what I love about defense men. Like even uh, Hastinen is so good with making the smart plays up the ice, even though he can probably skate through everybody just about every time. You can't do that or don't want to do that, right? That's too predictable. So I like when guys make the right read. They get it up when they have to. They do skate and jump up when they can, but overall making the right plays and the young Thomas Harley has been outstanding, I think, in that area. Yeah, you definitely don't want to get caught against Vegas' star power, like like Brando said, that the Kraken may not have had as many killers uh, on a breakaway or two-on-one, but you can count on almost two hands these guys for Vegas. Um, Curious, you know, which side do you think is the advantage offensively just with the, the skill? Yeah. Words? Yeah. This, this is where I get quiet. <laughs> Cause this is going to be a good one, right? This, yep. is, this, this is a, okay. First of all, and to start playoffs, here was my picks. I was going to say, if I was just take the stars out of it, right. I'm a homer and I think the stars are great, but if I'm going to pick two teams, believe it or not, yeah, I like Boston, and when they came in and played the Stars, I thought they were pretty good, and I watched quite a few of their games. But the team that I really liked and and, and the team that I think is favored right now is the Carolina Hurricanes. 
they are heavy. They are hard. You know what I mean? They can do a lot with the puck. And I know they have some injuries, which has limited them a little bit as well. But to me, to play seven games against that team and watching them the way they played the Dallas Stars, to me, that was the team to beat in the playoffs. On the West side, again, taking out the Stars, I thought that the Vegas Golden Knights were and are the team to beat out of the West, again, yeah. taking out our Dallas Stars. You know, they're heavy, they're strong. I thought the goaltending, even though they're rotating three goaltenders through, uh, has been good, right? And, and during the season, I know the Stars beat them all three games, but pretty tight games overall, except for the four. Two shootouts. I mean, yeah, there's yeah. even. Two shootouts in those games, yeah. And yep. We don't see those in the playoffs, do we? No, we don't. Yeah, so that that's the thing. These were close games. The Stars won the battles in a lot of these games. That's what I have. You know, Stars had to come back once. Uh, Hint scored what he scored with 38 seconds left in the third period. You know, yeah. Otter and Brossois went head-to-head in, in that game in February 26. So there's a lot of good things that the Vegas team did, and these teams are very evenly matched. So, like I said, the teams that I was wary of, the Hurricanes and the Vegas Knights, and obviously to get to where the Stars want to go, I believe they're going to have to go through both those teams. Yeah, they're on track. Yeah, yep. uh, Carolina Carolina's a, a sneaky good team. They've got a lot of people up for the cons. They, uh, they are happy. Like, I'm telling you, I, and I have a friend that that's a Hurricanes fan. Like I got to hear his nonsense every day. But that's okay. Yeah. I'll put up with it. But the more I, the more I watch that team, and I was like, oh, these guys got something. And then then you know when they come in your building and they play, you you really get a good look at how they are. Right, structurally sound. They win battles. They're big. They're feisty. They got a lot of things going on. I like their defense, you know. So everything is good. Of course, well coached with Rod Brindamore. Oh, um, yeah, yeah. And, and, and that's so. I look at teams like that. Teams that excel in the playoffs, right? You guys talked about Dedanov, right? The reason he's so successful is because he works. He grinds. He battles. Uh, he plays strong defensive hockey. It's why you notice him at this time of the year because he digs in like he has for every single game that the Stars have played since acquiring him from Montreal, right? He's been he's been really good in that area. Yeah. I think that series is going to be fireworks, absolute fireworks between the, the Canes and the Panthers. I mean, everything you just said about Carolina, and then you look at Florida, they seem to be playing the right way when it matters most. They came on hot at the end of the season, and – I don't know if I've seen a more disruptive line. I don't, maybe that's the right word in the playoffs yeah. than the the Bennett Kachuk. Uh, uh, is it? Who's, it's not Verhage on their line, is it? No. Uh, oh, Who's the guy? Because I'm so focused. Those two like Bennett. Bennett is unbelievable, right? He he is. Ever since the Calgary days, you hear about this guy, right? And what he can do in the playoffs, and how big and strong he is, and then you put him with Kachuk, right? And then those two just are going off. We ever, we know what Kachuk can do. He's a big, strong dude. He uh, gets under the skin of players. He can score some goals. And he is their leader, right? He's the guy that can go in there and really stir it up for the uh, Panthers. So outstanding job. And, yeah, they have been fun to watch, right? Anytime they take down this uh, the Maple Leafs. See, I'm from Western Canada. So in Western Canada – we we love to see uh, we love to see the Leafs go down. So I don't know if you guys are Leafs fans or not, but nope. uh, I am high fiving myself here in the office uh, every time that happens. I mean, Sevy, so John Tavares should have come here. I mean, we we started a uh, uh, gosh, that was four or five years ago. Summer we were trying to court him. 
and our page actually started a Whataburger GoFundMe to yeah. fund him, you know, food for life. <laughs> and back when Monty was coach, he actually donated and retweeted um, our GoFundMe link. So he was a big oh, supporter. That right? back then. Uh, that's great. That's yeah. great. Yeah. So yeah. Nick, are dead Nick, 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 it's Sam Bennett, Nick Cousins, and uh, Matthew Kutcher. Like Burkoff and uh, yep. Duclair top line there. So, and you know, it's good for who I really like to watch is uh, Lundell, Anton Lundell. I know it's not a name that you guys hear quite often, but man, he's that third line center. And to me, you know, you look down the middle, they got Barkoff, Bennett, Lundell, and Eric Stahl. So that's a pretty good, good gosh. Uh, that is a pretty good down the middle grouping that they have. And uh, it's part of the reason that they're winning some hockey games. And of course you go to look at, at their goaltender, right? He has been outstanding. Bob. Bob, oh. as they call him. Yeah. He has been, he's obviously been the difference maker, right? And when you get he's, that. He's, he's stolen so many games in these playoffs yep. for him. I mean, he had 50 games, so 50 many. saves in the last game. Yeah. Yep. He's been incredible, and it's funny you mentioned Lundell because I I was probably wa- I was watching a um, a press conference by Paul Maurice probably last week, and half the time he's singing Lundell's praises. He's like, and Lundell's great with you know going down to the third line, but he's got so much skill too. He's he, yeah. he was like he, this guy's gonna be a first line center someday, and oh yeah, and you, that you know, yeah you notice him like it's just all of a sudden he's got the puck, he's doing stuff, and then. It's yeah. He's been he's been a lot of fun for me to watch, and uh, that whole series has been. They they uh, poor the poor Maple Leafs fans are just they don't know what they're, I mean they destroyed they them didn't they? <laughs> yep, they destroyed them those first three games. It's yeah. Uh, yeah when you get up like that yeah they did and it's just unbelievable what happened there and uh, so let's move on and watch the rest of the series without the Maple Leafs. But my Edmonton Oilers, besides the stars, I'm an Edmonton Oilers fan. Even though I don't like the structure of just having those two guys uh, just kind of run the show a little bit, it just seems a little bit too much for me. Uh, I, I was hoping for the Oilers and the stars to go after. Yeah, that would have been a the history there. That would have been cool. I feel like it's always a high-scoring game whenever Edmonton comes into Dallas. I mean, it those are just kind of fireworks games. Um, yeah, it'd be interesting to see what Edmonton does with the core. I would think they might try to keep them around maybe a, a year or two more before they make a drastic change. But Yeah, yeah, you got to. Yeah. But you got to understand, like, it, it takes more. And, and being with the Stars here when they won in 99, it takes more than just your heavies up top. Yes, your top guys have to score their goals. They have to get some major goals and contribute uh, and help out when they can. But it's also, you know, the the third and fourth liners. They have to be there. They have to do their job. And, of course, you need stellar goaltending. You know, you know what Eddie did for the Stars in 99. You, you go throughout the list of, except for last year, which was kind of weird for the Colorado Avalanche, right? They didn't have the best goaltending in the world, but they had the firepower to kind of outscore their problems a lot of time. For the most part, goaltending is obviously necessary in these playoffs, and uh, Bobrovsky and the crew have been unbelievable this year. Yeah, yeah and, and speaking of goaltending, there uh, we got to mention Otter. How how amazing he's been! Yeah. Zero losses following a loss. I mean, Game Seven seemed like the perfect time to lose that streak, and he he hung in there. So full credit to him. But what well, what makes him so good at his job, Sevy? Well, you know, technically speaking. Is he just really quick side to side? Obviously, he's a big guy too. What what makes him good at being a goaltender? 
Yeah, I, you know, I'm not, I'm not a goaltender connoisseur, right? The goaltending is such a weird thing. There's so many, like when I'm on the ice teaching kids, usually the goaltender instructors are out there and I'm picking their brains about different things and okay. all the crazy stuff that they do. But here's what I know about it, right? He's a big, tall guy. He moves well. He gets to position quickly. And he's got this mental focus. When he was sent down a couple of years ago, like the look on his face, like usually you see young kids like, yeah, they're, they're like, oh, okay, it happened. And I'm, I'm, I'm going to go down and get better. But right. he was pissed. You could just see like he, and, and he's a, he seems like a real nice kid. We don't know these, you know, I don't know these kids personally, but he seems like a real nice kid, very pleasant to be around. And every time we're in there, good interaction with people, but he's got this edge to him, right? He's got the, to me, it's a combination of Patrick Waugh, Eddie Belfour, uh, Martin Bordura, some of these goaltenders that I've played with, they have this little edge, this, this thing about them that they got to win hockey games. Like, and he's, he was pissed off. Like he was really, really pissed off, but he said the right things. And then he goes down and he just, you can just see he was going to wait for his moment. And, uh, man, he's been good, hasn't he? You guys really enjoyed his play. I'm sure like everybody else. I, I mean, it, it just makes me think back to that 2017 draft. I'm like, how did we draft all these players to, to just go from like a seamless transition to one quarter to the next? Not saying that, you know, guys like, you know, Ben or Sagan are, are not part of the core, but like it, it usually you see teams kind of have a couple of years to go down like a goalie to get right back up and establish a core again. I don't, the stars didn't really have that. And I just think we're so lucky. I mean, getting Haskin in and Ottinger and, and Robo on the same draft. I mean, it's absolutely insane. He's yeah. been unbelievable. Yeah. And you know, obviously what the stars have done in the layering of the players, you know, and that's kind of what you have to do to be a successful organization. Right. So you got the older Cougars that are kind of, you know, slowly making the back nine, right? Pavelski. You can even throw Jamie Ben in there. Sagan's been around for a long time. And then you got that tier that you just talked about with Hake, Skinnan, Otter, Robo, all those guys. And then how about underneath? You got a ton of new players coming in, right? Of course, Wyatt Johnston is the guy. Wyatt Stank, yeah. Yep. All those guys that are coming up, that's a pretty good batch that they have. And you got to keep filtering and keep funneling your new players in but you gotta have the experience like having Pavelski there you know I know what he does on the ice yeah he's got the skins and he does all that but to have him especially with a new coach coming in like Peter DeBoer and having a guy like Pavelski be the buffer between those because fellas in my time of watching hockey and being involved with a team I have never seen a coach come in and have a drastic change in the way things look immediately. Like everybody says system changes, blah, 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 but you can't see it. You can't, it's, it's, it, it's not tangible, right? You, you don't feel it. <clears throat> Excuse me. In Austin, the very first day that they came out and they started to skate, I was like, what is that? Like everything, I was like, what is that? Like it's something different. And then the guys were coming out of the room saying, yeah, the, there's different words being used. There's different, like, players don't usually say that, right? They say, yeah, there's different vocabulary. We're trying to learn the way he talks and all this. And if you read between the lines, they're saying, like, it's it's just different. It's new. And then you see the support. The very first day I saw him, it's called a swarm. It's what happens in your defensive zone. 
the puck goes in and you want to swarm now. Whereas back in my day, we spread out a little bit. You put one defense and one centerman. Now they bring three or four bodies around the corner and you try to swarm the puck and keep it in there and steal the puck and outnumber the offensive team. And oh, they wow. were doing this. Yeah, they were doing this immediately. And you'll see it when you guys watch the game, watch in the corner and count guys. The winger that's supposed to be up high, he pushes down into the almost into the uh, hash mark circle. So he's trying to keep the puck from going to the defenseman. He goes low. The defense can go in there. We can have two defensemen, which in my day never happened. One defense in front, one defense in the corner, center in there. Like, God forbid you have a winger down in that area. That's just too low. But you see, they call it a swarm, and they come in, and they swarm that area. And they were doing this. Then through the neutral zone, three-level, three-layer support system. And I have to show you on video how it looks. But they have guys coming up the ice supporting each other. Then it gets thrown in. And again, they have this aggressiveness around the puck. And that's what you noticed right away. The aggressiveness at times has deep and all that sort of stuff where the defense pinching too much with no support that's going to happen but this aggressiveness from DeVore is important and with Joe Pavelski there he is the guy saying that guys I've had this coach before this works and I'm sure that message going you know from down from the coaching staff through Pavelski to the players allowed this seamless uh transaction if you will this system that the new coach is being brought in <coughs> that the players are buying into it so it's real important for them to understand that and Pavelski I think is the key to that oh the leadership that the veteranness the the playoff experience I mean that all comes to fruition I mean Jamie Ben and Sagan are, are now veterans there it's great to have a healthy Sagan knock on wood too um, I think some people have forgotten that most of the big runs they've had in the past decade with him on the roster has seen him injured even in yeah. the Tampa Cup final, he was on the power play in overtime and could barely skate because he was so yeah. uh, hurt with, uh, I forget the injury, but <coughs> poor guy. Oh, he's had everything. He's, he's everything. had cuts to his legs, you know, the laceration of his Achilles tendons. He's had hip injuries. He's had oh. all kinds of stuff that he's had to work through, knee injuries. And that's the thing about him. And what I, I know people bang on him because of the bag on him because of the, the offense, right? But yeah. let me tell you, that guy, since coming back from those injuries, and that, I've watched every shift of his, right? And he works hard. He tries to get to the areas. He tries to battle for position. He does uh, try. He, and he works very hard, very hard to get that. So for me, to watch a player like that, I'm not going to hammer on a guy that's maybe not scoring as much as he should, but he's working and leading and battling and doing what he can to be a difference out there. And he yep. forechecks. He forechecks effectively. Like, if, yep. if you're a guy like Gary Onhoff, who is trying to work the perimeter, not getting to the middle of the ice, um, not listening to his coaches defensively, it's the reason where you finally get fed up with the guy and move him. Great guy, great kid, smart kid, but his skill level never re reached his brain, right? Mm -hmm. He never, he wasn't able to yeah. listen to the coaches and take feedback in. I was talking to a parent today and said, you know, one of the most important things kid can do is listen to their coaches. You have to listen to what they're saying and be able to filter that through and apply it. If you cannot apply it, you're in for a very short career. And that's what I did. When I played, I listened to every single coach. I tried to apply it as best I can. If Herschel Walker is doing a thousand sit-ups a day, guess what? I'm going to do a thousand sit-ups a day. If Mike Keene tells me 
when I first turned forward and never played forward before I played in the NHL. And he tells me that when you get the puck along the ward, along the boards, you have to get it out. Guess what? I'm going to get the puck every time and try to get it out best I can. That's all. You're I saying you listen to Hitch the entire time, Savvy? I don't believe that. Who, who's Hitch? <laughs> no, no, no. Hitch? No. I'm talking about Mike Keene. He's Mike the guy Keen, that, man. Not, not Hitch. Yeah. Oh, Mike yeah. No, Hitch just yelled at me every day. That was his role <laughs> is to just lay it into me as much as he could. <laughs> New and Dyke, Keene, all those guys, those are the guys that are helping you. So the assistant coaches were the guys really as well that were giving you information, right? Yes. Head coaches in the NHL are there to beat you down. That's really it for when I played. That's kind of their model, right? They had the yeah. big picture. Whereas the assistant coach and coach skills coaches and all those stuff, you got to listen to what they're saying. And if they're yep. giving you feedback, you have to do that. And that's where Gary on up, I thought, just didn't get better because he's not he's, – I'm sure he's listening, but he wasn't listening and it wasn't coming to fruition, Right. So we're, we're back to Sagan with his hard work and all that. It's important uh, for him to continue to grind it out and hopefully chip in a big goal or two in this series because uh, you need those kind of guys in there and, and forechecking and working hard. Cheers to that. Absolutely. Yep. Well, we're just about out of time, guys. Let's get to the point of all this. Predictions. Team and series length. Brando, go ahead. Stars and four. <laughs> Just as a Hold on, right no, but, probably not, but hey, a, a, a man can dream. <laughs> oh, good. I thank God you're not serious because I was coming I'm after you. I'm coming after you full bore. I, I do that for just the diehards, um, but for all of you other fans who are realistic, um, I, I, I think stars in in seven, stars six, stars in seven. That's oh, where man. maybe my wishful thinking and and yep. um, realism kind of meet and intersect that's where i'm at i would say I, I, i'm a little more optimistic i think they're gonna get to vegas early and i i think they're tired of these long series i, I think they're gonna close them out in five and they're just not gonna be phased by whatever vegas throws at them rupe and, and johnston and pavelski will just be too much um and otter will shut them down yeah, you, you hope that's the case, that the Stars are able to get that rush up the ice as much as possible, right? That's that's going to be the key, obviously. And and out-battle and out-work the, the big defense for the Vegas Golden Knights, that's important as well. Yep. Yeah, your, your top guys have to come to the forefront. And, you know, a guy like Mark Stone, you're going to really have to watch. He's also a guy that's going to be all over him. Jack Eichel has had pretty good outing here. And obviously, Jonathan Marcheseau has been really good the last series and it just continues to improve. So there's some big names. And, fellas, if you think this is going to go fewer than five, then obviously you're you're making some trips out to the local um, establishment, maybe having a few too many. This game okay. is going to go this game, <laughs> this game is gonna go six or seven, and uh, hopefully it will favor our Dell Stars. I love it. Well, it'll feature a lot of fireworks, as we hope, so bet the over if you're a degenerate like uh, some of our listeners I know. And uh, <laughs> we will just sit back and enjoy, Sevy. No TV duties for you, so you were just hanging out with the rest of us. Yeah, yeah, I've been uh, able to watch it. Yeah, just going to the last, like I say, Game 7 and sitting back and just kind of enjoying it uh, was outstanding. My mother-in-law wanted to go, so I'm going to take her, and we got to sit in the suite and hang out a little bit, and uh, that was a lot of fun, and, and to see the fans into it. Because ultimately, the hockey is a very small market. Like, I don't care what you hear. It's a very small market. But yeah. we're a passionate group, and we love it. Absolutely. <coughs> Excuse me. 
Well, go Stars. Let's win this thing. Western Conference Final starts Friday night on ESPN at 7.30 or a little after uh, when the commercials are done. Look forward to a great <laughs> series. Savvy, thanks so much for the time, and Brando as well. And uh, for all you guys tuning in, Texas Hockey Talk again is brought to you by Dallas Hockey Fans. We're on Facebook, Twitter, and a little bit of Instagram. We will see you guys out on the webs. Go Stars! Let's go! Thank you for listening to another episode of Texas Hockey Talk. If you like what you heard today, please give us a rating on our Apple or Spotify accounts and help us get seen by more Stars fans or hockey fans like you. We'll see you next time.